I, uh, I really enjoy the topic of giving Bible studies um, because ultimately the friendship evangelism okay, that we're involved in, which is a part of the cycle of evangelism, really is for the purpose and hope that eventually we'll get to the place where we can what? We can give Bible studies. We can study the Bible with somebody. And uh, there's, there's nothing like sharing your faith with someone else. A faith that is based upon the Word of God. And so we're going to take a look at some, some keys to giving Bible studies, some practical principles. But before we do, I want to I share something about personal Bible study before we get into giving Bible studies. I, I mentioned some things a couple days ago, and I just want to kind of echo those same things this morning in relationship to your own personal devotions, okay, and, and how we're having those, and those lead to us giving Bible studies and uh, better and better Bible studies, more interesting Bible studies. And not just, you know, it's easy for us to take a Bible study like, say, the Amazing Facts Study Guides, which a lot of people really enjoy, or some will use the It Is Written Study Guides, and we kind of depend on that study guide. It's kind of like Sabbath school, where we depend on the Sabbath school lesson. And, and yet, what makes those Bible studies fresh and unique, and where the person's really involved, is when you have your own experience with deep Bible study. That... that that from there, individuals really can tell, and they're right there with you. Um, so I want to I look at a passage of Scripture found in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Just really quick, it says, For the Word of God is what? <coughs> Living and powerful. How many of you know that? How many of you experienced that? Okay. It says, living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of what? Thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is to go so deep that it discerns thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay? Um, you know, God said here in Isaiah 55, we looked at this earlier in the week, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, God's not saying in this verse that you cannot attain to His thoughts. He's just saying His thoughts are what? Higher. Okay? So he's encouraging us consistently to what? Come up higher. But to do so, we need to get to the place to where our own personal Bible is study is affecting our thoughts. Okay? Um, you know, what is character made up of? Anybody here? Thoughts and, <clears throat> thoughts and feelings. When we talk about thoughts, we're really talking about ideas. Okay? Your character is based upon different ideas throughout your life experience that you have clung to. Now, those ideas may be completely wrong. Okay? They may be right. But nonetheless, your character okay, is built on ideas. And Bible study, real personal devotional Bible study, gets down to that issue of my ideas versus God's ideas, okay? True Bible study. We'll get down to the thoughts and intents of the heart. And through that process, we'll be brought up to God's thoughts and God's ways. But when those two things collide, that's where we surrender, okay? So this idea of the Word getting to the thoughts and intents of the heart, this is, this, by the way, helps when we bring people to a point of decision, okay? Because if you in your personal devotions haven't come to a point of decision, it's very hard to bring somebody else to a point of decision. But if you are regularly being brought to a point of decision, it becomes much easier to bring others to a point of decision because you understand what it took to get there. 
Okay? And it's much easier than to bring other people. So real Bible study is getting down to where my ideas are in conflict with God's ideas, and I have to surrender, and then my ideas change. Okay? And in the process, my character changes. So that way, Bible study is not just, oh, here's question number one, this is what it says, and then we give you the answer. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's going deeper, deeper than that. We want to attain. Matter of fact, oh, it's not Isaiah 55, by the way. It's Philippians 2.5, misprint. Let this mind be in you that was also in what? Christ Jesus. So it's not just the mind of humility as you read the context, it's also the mind of obedience. Okay? And so that mind where God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. God's not just saying, well, I'm up here and you're down there and that's always how it's going to be. He's saying, listen, if you're really studying the Word of God personally to where these decisions are being made regularly and you're surrendering regularly, you're putting on the mind of who? You're putting on the mind of Christ. Okay? And people see that when it comes to Bible study. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the what? Word of our God stands forever. You know, we are living in an age where there's so much instability, insecurity. You know, we, we see so many things around us falling apart. And I'm not just talking about buildings, and I'm not talking just about them. I'm talking about families. I'm talking about lives. I'm talking about individuals. Yet the Word of God, what? Stands forever. And as we unpack the Word and our ideas are changed according to the Word of God, guess who else stands forever? Okay? Those who have the biblical ideas. And it's much easier in conversation to go to these different things. Okay? And, and it's not as difficult. It's not like, okay, I have this life, and then, oh, now I'm supposed to talk about the Bible. Now I've got to put on my other head. Okay? Um, but we need to be living this way. This is kind of why I, I bring this out. And by the way, this is something we talked about a few days ago when we talked about our testimony. Remember? What's our testimony really to be based upon? It's to be based upon the Word of God. Okay, so when we give our testimony, what we're really focusing on is what God is doing for us, what God is doing in us. And, and sure, we might talk about our past a little bit, but that's a brief speck in relationship to what we need to be speaking about. Okay, what gives hope, what gives stability, what gives security. And people see this as we study. So, one of the things we want to be Instant in season and out of season. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Okay? In giving Bible studies, we always need to be instant in season and out of season. And, we, and when we're doing this regularly, okay, what I talked about just briefly, um, we will be in season and out of season. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. All right, it says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his coming and his kingdom. He says, What? Preach the word. Preach the word. Notice, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and what? Teaching. I love that. Preach the word. We can, and, and he breaks down preaching here to convince, to rebuke, to exhort with all long-suffering. What is long-suffering? Patience. Believe me, in Bible study, you need to have patience. Okay? When you're working with somebody. Because remember, you're working with their ideas. Just as much as in our personal devotions, God is working with our ideas and we're surrendering those ideas, the person you're talking to has to go through the exact same process. And so in that process, we need to have patience. Okay? They may not get it the first time. And they may run off and come back and talk about something, and you're like, we just went over that. And then the Lord knocks on your little head and brain and says, yeah, we've done this several times, haven't we? Okay? So he says, preach the word. Convince, 
Rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Okay? But do this what? In season and out of season. If we're having devotions consistently, God prepares us. And I'm talking about biblical devotions. I'm not talking about just picking up a book and saying, I'm going to read this today. Now, don't get me wrong. Reading the Spirit of Prophecy for devotions is a great thing. Not a problem. But before you do that, go to the Word. Spend quality time in the Word. And by the way, when I said read it seven times, you'll find that to read something seven times will take you much longer than 15 minutes because of the experience you will have. You know, people have said pray at the beginning and then pray at the end. Listen, when you read a passage seven times and you're slowing down going through it, you actually start praying through the passage. You're talking to God from beginning to end, okay, as you go all the way through it. And so this helps you to be ready in season and out of season, okay? Um, Notice, preach the word. In the book of Acts, remember I talked about the book of Acts also early in that we need to be proficient when it comes to the book of Acts just as much as we are in Daniel and Revelation. Notice with me Acts chapter 4, verse 31. This is the experience of the early Christian church, okay? The apostolic church. They, this, this is what they were doing consistently, all the time. Okay, Acts chapter, I'll give you examples. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they what? Spoke the Word of God with boldness. Notice, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and, and what was the result? They preached the, the Word. Okay? That's right. They were ready. They were being prepared to be ready in season and out of season. So when you walk out of here this morning, there may be an opportunity for you to share something from your devotions in the Word of God this morning with somebody else. Okay? In season and out of season. Notice with me chapter 5, verse 42. We see this again. Okay, Acts chapter 5, verse 42 says, And daily they were in the temple and in what? I love this. They were in every house. Okay? Um, There's some statements I'll I'll read when I do part two um, about this. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They did not what? Cease. Okay, this was like on their mind when they went to bed and it was on their mind when they woke up in the morning. It was on their mind throughout the day. Okay, notice chapter 6, verse 4 and 7. It says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to what? The ministry of the Word. And verse 7 says, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. The word of God, what? Spread. Continually spread. And the number of the disciples, this is really interesting, we don't have time to get into, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Okay, and then finally we'll just look at another one. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Uh, Mark spoke briefly about Acts chapter 8. But you know, Acts chapter 8 is a real key transition in the book of Acts because at this point, the church had grown to an amazing number and it would have been easy for them to become complacent and settled in Jerusalem. But through persecution, God says you're not settling. And it's interesting that He sends out the disciples, not the apostles. Okay? And so we read in, in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, what exactly the disciples were doing. It says, Therefore those who were scattered went what? Everywhere, preaching the Word. So Bible study and giving Bible studies and sharing the Word of God was central to the apostolic church as the Spirit of God was poured out. This is what they, they did. Okay, They preached it. They also lived it. Okay, and uh, this empowered their preaching. Preaching without the life to back it up really is just a lot of words. Okay, but when you have a life that backs up that preaching, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. So where where do we begin 
uh, in giving Bible studies. Here's some, here's some places where we can begin to share okay, the Word of God, where we can begin to kind of give some Bible studies, look for opportunities, pray for opportunities. We can utilize the church visitor list. Um, you know, just after this, Pastor John Ross is going to talk about reclaiming missing members. We can start there with missing members. There's youth in the church. You know, right now in, in my church, we have our early teens and juniors. And for the last two months, um, my wife runs those departments, and we've been building a team, and, and uh, we've been actually going through young disciples. We've been taking them through all 27 fundamental beliefs. Um, and now we're getting prepared. There's about 10 of them that want to be baptized, and, and now we're working with them. So, by the way, this is, some of the, this is the best place to start, because kids like it what? Simple. Sometimes it's easy to get very complex in giving Bible studies. We want to show our, you know, our theological acumen. Like, I'm really smart, but that's not the purpose of giving Bible studies. And so, you know, working with kids really helps you to simplify the process for them and makes it even better when you're working with adults. So I would encourage you, uh, work with the youth in the church. Don't think that early teen or junior is, is too far beneath you. Or you've been in the church too long that you can't work with the young people. Got to work with the young people. Okay? Spouses or family, door-to-door outreach, individuals who've gone through a previous series, media interests, summer canvassing programs. I want to talk to you briefly about media interests. Um, this is why this app, I was talking to you about this app earlier. Um, but I want to share a map with you really quick. Uh, this is actually the map of Michigan. And, and all these pink dots right there are all of the people that are, have gone through our Bible school at Amazing Facts. Okay? And so you have 2,000 spread around Michigan. And so all of these dots are all of the media interests that, that have started there. They've come through our Bible school. And many times, people don't even know that they exist um, and, and that's why I'm actually happy for this app that these two uh, Seventh-day Adventist gentlemen, Mike and Doug, actually put together because right here, okay, this, I wish I could put this on the screen, this little dot is our location, okay, and there's a flag about a mile down the road and in 2014 she finished all of the study guides, okay, so right now with this, um, and by the way, when you click on it, a, a map there, I'll just show you. When I click on a name, it will bring up her interest in what she's done, what she's gone through. And then we actually have the training that's built into it. So what we've done is we've actually added an at-the-door component. It might take me a second. And we've actually put the canvases for how you approach that interest right within the app. So you can click on this and say, there's the canvas. That's how I would approach somebody. Okay. So this way, there's people right there, right now, all throughout Michigan um, that, that from our interests that people can start connecting with. Um, this is a huge benefit to the local church. No, you don't have to be a Bible coordinator. Um, but to get access to like the Amazing Facts interests, we actually do a local training to teach, how, because we want you to understand how our Bible school works, so when you go to the door, you know what to say, where they're at in their study, because they might still be studying correspondence, but as a representative, we train the representatives for Amazing Fact so that they know how to walk beside them. And then if they've finished or graduated, then they can go up and they can start new Bible studies with them. Okay? There's not online training for that. That's more personable in, in, in the church training right now. If I had, put it this way, if I had, the thing is we run it through the pastors because the pastors have, they need to write off on the people and say, yep, they're members of my church. And, and they, because the pastors actually have a, there's a control setting in there. Because if somebody moves, they can transfer. Or if somebody's better suited for a Bible study, they can transfer them within the app. Okay? Um, so we do run it through the pastors, but we can work with the churches. We just did a training in Richardson, Texas, where we've been actually piloting and working with the pastors. I'm just letting you know what's available, and it's coming. But you just want to be aware that we're getting there, and I'm just 
letting you know when we're talking about media interest that there are lots of interests here within Michigan that we want to be able to give you. Okay? Because we need a, a greater partnership be, between what we're doing. Because sometimes people have followed up our interests and they've gone to a door and they call us and say, hey, is so-and-so your representative? And we don't even know who they are. We don't know where they're from. So then, at the, then we're saying, well, no, they're not really. But they could have been. Do you follow what I'm saying? And so we're making a more intentional effort to bring those two things together. Um, but I'm just letting you know, giving Bible studies, following up media interests, they're out there. Right now, you can get Fishnet app and you'll get Voice of Prophecy. You'll get It Is Written. Um, some of those are also there as well. And then eventually we can you know, look to add the amazing facts with some training um, and how to follow up. This is kind of... Um, dealing with Bible studies. So, so what I'm trying to say is, is God's Spirit is so far ahead of us. If, if we're not encouraged and motivated to do Bible studies, what's going to happen with all of these interests? Okay? And so we, what I'm saying, sometimes we talk about the need for the Holy Spirit. We talk about how God is moving. This is just giving you a way of seeing it. It's like pulling back the curtain and saying, please be willing in season and out of season to learn, to grow, to give Bible studies, grow in your own personal walk with Christ to follow up these interests. Okay? One other principle I'll talk about here is prophecy's core. And I can talk to you more about fishnet and some of those things afterwards. Um, Prophecy's core. If you go to Luke chapter 24, verse 27, um, Jesus, before He ascended, had to, I guess you could say, prove Himself all over again to the disciples. I want to be careful how I say that. But they just, at first, it was like, He's here. We, we just saw him a few days ago die on the cross, but now he's personally here. And, and he said, verse 24, I'm going to start with verse 24. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. They had come back. Jesus was risen. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, and all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded to them in all the Scriptures the things what? Concerning Himself. Okay? What's prophecy's core? What's the prophetic core? Who is the core? Okay? And He should be in every single Bible study. Matter of fact, every single time you tell your testimony or you share a piece of your testimony. It's Christ-centered. Okay? And it doesn't stop. Notice Acts chapter 8, verse 35. Okay? Acts chapter 8, verse 35. It says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this Scripture, preached what? Jesus. Preached Jesus to him. Now I know we come into the church through different Bible studies. Some, we might have gone to a prophecy seminar. And, it, and we got there on like the last five nights and it was the mark of the beast and it was the USA and prophecy and it was all of those things. And so we come out and we're so excited that that's what we preach. Okay? Don't get me wrong. There's a time and place for getting into all of those things. But even through all of that, Christ is the core. Christ is the core. If it weren't for Christ, we wouldn't have the truths we have. If it weren't for Christ, we wouldn't have the hope we have. If it weren't for Christ, we wouldn't know that He's coming back and have eternal life. So prophecy is important, and I don't want to demean that, but the core of prophecy is Christ. Notice again in Acts, I go back to the book of Acts several times. Notice Acts chapter 3, verse 17 through 26. Quite a long passage. Acts chapter 3, verse 17 through 26. He says, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all His prophets, 
What all things? He says that Christ would suffer. He has thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that He may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy what? Prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Okay? Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first God, having raised up His servant Jesus, sent Him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. I mean, they made this the core of all of their preaching, all of their teaching, everything that they spoke about. So lift up Jesus is the bottom line. Through it all, make sure you're lifting up Jesus as you're giving Bible studies. The ABCs of giving Bible studies. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 2.15. Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the what? Word of truth. Okay, the Greek word here, orthotomio, is translated as rightly divide. It means to teach the truth directly and correctly. Okay, so when you're giving Bible studies, okay, when we're giving Bible studies, we want to make sure we're correct and we're direct. Okay, you don't want to say things that kind of lead someone on, but they don't know what you're really saying, just say what you really are there to say. Um, you know, in patience, in love, and in kindness. But be direct, be correct. Um, always present Jesus first. Okay? Always present Jesus first. Jesus even said in John chapter 5, verse 39, you search the Scriptures... For in them you think you have eternal life, yet they are they which testify of what? Of me. Okay? Um, so always present Jesus first. Notice these statements from the book of Evangelism, page 264. The very first and the most important thing is to melt and subdue the soul by presenting our Lord Jesus Christ as the sin-bearer, the sin-pardoning Savior, making the gospel as clear as what? Possible. Okay, the very first and most important thing. The wonderful love of Christ from Desire of Ages will melt and subdue hearts when the mere reiteration of doctrines would accomplish nothing. Okay, so we, now, we're not saying that's where I stay in Bible study, but that's where I start as I'm giving the Bible study. And I'm also bringing them back to Christ all along the way as I'm going through the Bible study with someone. That's why the focus needs to be Christ um, continually. Um, a next principle, always pre present Jesus first and then reveal truth what? Gradually. Jesus did the same thing, right? Remember? Uh, we read that verse where He specifically, you know, there's so many things I want to share with you, but you can't bear them now. Okay, you think about it when someone's going through a process where they've had certain ideas and now those ideas are needing to be changed because you're basically growing their understanding as you're giving them the Bible study. We want to do that gradually. It takes some time. You know, I was in a class with a teacher one time. He was talking about God's mind for a minute and, uh, you know, the infinite. And you think about it. 
If God were to reveal, you know, God says, I have a thousand ways, you know, we read that statement, in which to provide that we know not. So God can see a thousand ways to our one. Now, what if God took those thousand ways and gave them to you all at once? Where would your mind be? Or would it be? It probably would cease to exist because he put so much in it, it would explode. Okay? This is why throughout eternity, it's going to be a joy learning from Christ. He's going to unpack things that we're going to probably spend weeks thinking about. And then come back to get the rest of the story. Okay? So, the thing is, is that we believe in absolute truth. But to know it absolutely, right now, not possible. You put the infinite in the finite, it ex- the finite would explode. Okay? It's like on the Sabbath. The truth about the Sabbath? There are so many different angles. Okay? Sometimes when we learn our 27 fundamental beliefs, we think, okay, we got it. They're so deep. Okay? Just because you've learned them the first time doesn't mean you've grasped every angle. Okay? But God can look at that truth from every single angle instantly and know it. Okay? Um, So we want to reveal truth gradually because we don't want people's minds to explode. And, And here, the thing is, is that in the process, people will get angry because they're already trying to make certain decisions. And if I throw more and throw more, and throw more, and they're getting frustrated down here, they're just going to be frustrated all the way through the process, and they're not going to want it anymore. And then they're going to revert back to what they've already known. And that's where we're trying, that's where God wants to unpack their understanding. And He wants to say, let me just share with you a little bit more, and a little bit more, and if you need to spend time on a topic longer than 40 minutes, just make it a two-week process. Or a three-week process. Answer their questions. It's okay. We don't have to study 27 weeks or 27 lessons in 27 weeks. It may take us five months. It's okay. This is where patience plays a huge role in working with people. There's a statement that Ellen White makes of how Jesus revealed truth when He came. He actually took truth from the old forms, she says, and he presented them in a symmetrical, systematic way. And the thing is, is that the Bible, if we study it systematically, it builds. Okay? And what happens is, is that if we hit something where it's like, it's a real tension area, we can say, I notice this is a real tension issue. Okay? As we're going through it. We can move on, and would you like to come back to it? When you're ready to come back to it, we can back... You can explain that, and that would be okay to move on. But if you see that in the next lesson he's coming back to it, he hasn't gotten over it. Do you follow what I'm saying? Which, will, which could potentially damage your lessons later on. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because he's still there. Okay, he's, yeah, he's distracted now. And so the thing is, is that what I would do is I would say, you know what? I can see this as an attention area. I want you to think about it. If you have any other questions in relationship to this issue, write them down. And let's just take them one at a time. If if he knows from the beginning you're learning just like he's learning, it should be okay to do that. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because I would say, I'm learning through this process just as much as you're learning through this process. You know, Paul says, he that thinks he knows anything knows nothing yet as he ought to know. Okay? So there's there's a point in which, listen, there's a stumbling block there. And by the grace of God, that needs to come down so that we can move forward. So I'm not going to push somebody beyond that until we've really kind of found out what the issues really are. Now, if we've kind of found the issues, he's come to an agreement, but he doesn't want to move on, then he's at the place where he doesn't want to make a decision. Okay? And you can finish the lessons with him, say, we'll go on, and then that may be his stumbling block for a while. And it may need, remember, we were talking earlier, Jesus took them to a certain point, the Holy Spirit took them further. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
So you may take him to a certain point. He may never make a complete decision at the end, but we want to leave it in such a way that there's still opportunity for somebody else because the Lord's still working with them. It may need... You know, I did a series of meetings one time here in Michigan when I was pastoring. That person had gone through four series of meetings. And it wasn't until I went to their home, it just happened to be me. I don't know why me. But it happened to be me when I went to their home and we started talking. But at least the relationship was there to where I could do that. The pastor before me didn't cut that off. So when I came in, and he, he, he was kind of coming to church a little bit. But when I got into his home and we started talking and then I did the series, he made his decision. And, and it was good. We talked through it. There was a, maybe Lord could use me in a different way, you know? So that's why I think sometimes we have to be careful not to think you're the only one that is able to finish out that Bible study or that you're the only one. I started it. I have to finish it. Okay? The goal is to finish it. So when you get to a tough area, I would ask them to write all their questions down about that. And let's just look at it biblically one by one. Okay? And if you still see there's resistance, then go ahead and finish the studies. If they're willing to finish it out, go ahead and finish it out. But if they don't make a decision because you know that's the issue, then be praying, Lord, is there somebody else that can get this across? And this is where we need to be working together. This is where we need to be working together. Like Elijah, right? He thought he was the only one. And the Lord said, hey, there's 7,000 others. You know what God was actually showing Elijah? I love this. It was 7,000 times better than what he thought it was. You know, sometimes we think it's the end. It's not the end. The end is when we go to sleep. Until Jesus comes. Until then. So does that help answer the question a little bit? So we need to work together. I'll tell you, this is why I love working with church members. Because as I get to know people and as I'm investing in people... Then I'm like, oh, they got a really, this is their, this is, they're really strong in this area. And when I see somebody, I'm like, can you, and I'm matching people constantly, okay, in, in certain areas, because it's all of us together, even in a Bible study. That's why it's important, we'll talk about it the next day, two by two. That's why it's important to go two by two, okay, um, and to work together. Whether you're not there or so-and-so may be able to, to kind of smooth the way it was like Melanchthon, right? And Luther. Okay? And, and Ellen White has a lot to say about this two by two and, and how that works and how we work with each other when we go out and do that and strengths and weaknesses and those kind of things. So, so it's really important. Okay? And if, and if you're married, definitely take your wife. She's definitely a soft influence for the men. Um, so... Anyway, and, and vice versa. But reveal truth gradually. We want to reveal truth gradually. Which, by the way, is important that you gain the skill of listening and, and asking the right questions. I want to go back to Christ's method in Luke chapter 2. We tend to rush ahead, and, we're, and when we do that, we're not listening. We're not listening at all. Okay? And, uh, and so therefore, we, we sometimes can botch up a situation because in the Lord has grace and mercy and says, I want to help you through this, okay? But, but, but listen, you know, as you're, as you're working with them. I was in a Bible study same way. We had gotten to a place where he just didn't, it was more of a, a real tension area. But, you know, we, we, we ended as friends and to this day, he still watches things and, and his wife still is an influence on him. And we just keep praying for them. You know, and I'm just praying the right person comes along to take it from where we were, you know, to go farther. So not everybody's going to go through. Um, our goal is we'd love to have everybody. But um, remember, you're dealing with ideas. Let me share something in Daniel chapter 2. I want to be really careful because I want to stay on this. How many of you read Daniel chapter 2? Okay. How many of you are familiar with Daniel chapter 2? Okay. How many of you are very familiar with the first half of Daniel chapter 2? Not the prophetic side, the first half. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Why was Nebuchadnezzar troubled? Let me ask you a question. Quiz question. Why was Nebuchadnezzar troubled? You sure that's why he was troubled? 
Okay, but, but remember, he was troubled in the dream. He woke from his sleep because his spirit was troubled. Now, let me share with you uh, some very... Historically, biblically, if you look at Daniel 3 and some other places, first of all, Nebuchadnezzar believes he's God. It's very clear. If you read Daniel chapter 3, before the big statue, right? And he says, Who, what God is there that can deliver you from my hands? And 3.15. Okay? So he's placing himself where? He's placing himself above God. Okay. Now, what happens is, is that he's in this place, but now he's wondering about the future. Okay? Which is not a very godly act. Because God knows the what. So it's a very human act that he's involved in. So it's in the place of his humanity that God comes to him to show His divinity. Okay? Many times people aren't open unless they're in a very human situation where everything else around them is falling apart or they're wondering about the future. Now, when Jesus comes to him in Babylon, what did they worship? What did they worship? What did they grow up worshiping? Idols. Idolatry was central in Babylon. So, so God approaches, now He's very in a very human moment. He's thinking about the future. He's not God. He doesn't know the future. In that moment, the true God comes to Him in a dream and starts with an idol, which He's familiar with, because that's what His worldview looks through. Are you following? But what if that worldview becomes dust? Everything you believed, everything you stood on, everything you trusted in was based on idolatry and God just took your worldview, your belief system, and made it dust. Smashed it. Wouldn't you be troubled? Everybody who believes something and learns something different and realizes their beliefs are but dust, they're troubled. How do you deal with that troubled person when you're studying with them and you reveal a truth that they never knew before because they were only taught this way? Do you understand? God is working with Nebuchadnezzar, but He's doing it. He's literally took the rug out from underneath His feet, but then He builds him back up again. Because after He's troubled, He comes out of the dream. His worldview has been shattered. He's thinking about his future, and God says, what you believe is dust. So he wakes, this is what is troubling. He wakes up from that dream, and now he's like, I need to go to my friends. Right? The wise men. Okay? God is so good. First of all, he tells him, what you believe is dust. Then he allows him to wake up and say, okay, now I want to get my wise men. We do this all the time. Right? God reveals the truth to us. We're not sure that we want to totally believe that yet. And we run to our friends for some counsel. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> You're getting it. Okay? He runs and he says, let me, right, seek counsel. But what does Nebuchadnezzar find out? They don't know either. So everything has been ripped out from him. Then God introduces his prophet. Because now the conversation is only between God and Nebuchadnezzar. Because everything else has been moved out of the way. Real Bible study is moving everything out of the way so that the conversation is between God and the individual you're studying with, not you and the individual. Do you understand? This gives force to the prophecy of Daniel chapter 2 and understanding how the prophet was established, how the prophet was introduced, and how God dealt with that man. These are lessons. It's not just, let's run to the prophecy. These literally, these historical portions are lessons to help us in actually working with people. You're seeing how God is working with Nebuchadnezzar from his mindset of where he is. Somebody who thinks they are God needs sometimes a very human, need to be brought down to their human level. Do you follow what I'm saying? 
But there might be people that you start studying with that are already there. You don't need to bring them down. They're already there. They're going through a family crisis. They're going through family trials. They're going through all of these different things. So you don't need to bring them there. What you need to do is start building them up. Nebuchadnezzar needed to be brought down, and then Nebuchadnezzar later is built up. Okay? Anyway, we could go on, but there's a lot there. But you want to reveal truth gradually, okay, and, and, and work with them. So here, I'll, I'll share something else. It says, the path of the just, notice, is like the shining sun that shines what? Ever brighter unto the... Notice, it's brighter and brighter and brighter. It's not just all of a sudden there. You know, it's like the Lord. When the sun comes up in the morning, He lets us adjust. You know? It's not like you walk out and... It's like there. Okay? Then you have John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you. We read this. But you cannot bear them now. Okay? Finally, make regular appeals. And I'm, I'm going to close off on this one. This is, this is a major, okay? At the close of every meeting and Bible study, decisions should be called for. By the way, you can actually help people to make decisions all the way through the study until they make that final decision and commitment, okay? It doesn't have to be, let me share something with you, and then at the end, boom, here's a decision. But I can be working with them, decisions all along the way. Choose for yourselves, Joshua 24, uh, 15. Okay? Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve what? The Lord. There comes a point when decisions need to be made. Okay? Decisions need to be made. Um, but it's the little decisions that they make all along. Like, for instance, do you understand? Yes, I understand. Have you grasped this? Yes, I've grasped this. Okay? So then you want to spend time in Bible study. Yes, I want to spend time in Bible They're making little decisions along the way. Okay? It's kind of like when I used to run more consistently, um, my wife and I were running a 5K race, and uh, she was alongside me, and it, it was like these little decisions are like little goals along the way leading to that major decision. And... Uh, it's just like running a race. And I would say, and we were running pretty fast. And I was like, you can do this. You can do this. And she's like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I said, look at that sign right there. That's our goal. Let's get to that sign. And by the time we were that sign, I was already on the next one. Look at that sign over there. Look at that picnic bench over there. And we were literally, and by the time we finished, it was the fastest time she'd ever run. But it was those little Little goals. It's the little decisions that lead to the, the greater decision. And it's okay to bring them to decision. It, like I said earlier, if you're brought to decision consistently in your own Bible study, it's much easier to bring people to a point of decision. Because you've gotten there. You've made the decision. You've taken the surrender. You've surrendered. Okay, and it's, and it's easier for others to do the same. I want to read you one verse here and then read one statement. Notice with me, um, oh, I want to go back actually in talking about this. Notice Acts chapter 4, verse 29. No, that's not. It's where they were speaking in confidence. They had great, they, they were praying for confidence. Was it? Thank you. Yeah. And in, in, in other versions, it uses the word confidence in the place of boldness. That's it, 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with what? Some versions, like my New American Standard, will use that word boldness as confidence. Okay? When you come to the point of an appeal, because we need to make appeals regularly, you have to be confident about what you're asking that person to make a decision on. If you're kind of, should I, should I not, should I ask them, should I not ask them, I'm a little nervous, I don't know how they're going to respond, I don't know how they're going to look at me, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things that go through your minds. But in the book of Acts, there was a level of confidence 
to where Peter could say, you know, repent and be baptized. Right? And, and, they, could, and they could bring people to a point of decision confidently. The more you spend time in the Word, make this is why I say, the more you spend time in the Word yourself, making personal decisions regularly, you gain confidence to bring people to a point of decision to where it's not something you have to really think about. You just know that's part of the process. And, and appeals are huge. I find that sometimes we share truth, and I'm being more and more personally convicted. We need more appeals. We need to call people more to decisions and really call them to decision. You know, God was not playing around with Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? And at the very end, at the very end of Daniel 2, we were using that, what happens is, is what, is, what does Nebuchadnezzar do at the end? He falls down and he realizes that what Daniel just told me, it was certain and it was sure. That's what Daniel said. The interpretation, it is certain and it is sure. And Nebuchadnezzar falls down and he acknowledges. And he comes to that place where that was like a call. And Nebuchadnezzar completely responded. Why? Because he knew the true God was speaking to him. Not Daniel the prophet. Okay? And so, so that call was made and Nebuchadnezzar responded. You know what's interesting to me? Is that Nebuchadnezzar responds to the prophecy without seeing its fulfillment. We respond to the prophecy because we see the fulfillment. Remember what Jesus said? Blessed are those who don't what? See and yet believe. Right, and that's why 28 and 29, he starts with God and then he shows his place. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, there's a God in heaven. And then he says, but as for me. And that language is Neb Daniel actually stepping out of the conversation. The way you communicate in the Bible study, step out of the conversation. And let your study do the talking. Okay? Step out of this. This is how prophets, it's actually a picture of how true prophets function. So that's, that's what Bible study is. Okay? Um, and so you can be confident, okay, in calling people to appeals. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your many blessings. Oh, Lord, it's not about us at all. And Lord, I pray that we can submit to Your leading and guiding. That we truly can give up our ideas if they're not biblical. So that we can help others to draw closer to You. And we can be the vessel that You use um, to help others come to a greater understanding of biblical truth. We thank You so much for the principles and I pray that You will guide and direct us as we Go forth to use them uh, in your way. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.